there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This work teaches that we are food for the moon. This may be the most misunderstood statement in the work. This is why people hang on this, why people come up to this, why people avoid it and talk about it, is because it is kind of a sensational idea. It's a kind of a smack-you-in-the-face idea. And there's something about this work and the people who I've found in this work who think that a conscious shock is something that they're giving to someone and it's doing them a favor. So they, they get the idea that smacking somebody in the back of the head or smacking them in the face or stepping on their corns is a good thing. Look what I'm doing for you. But what I've found, more often than not, is it's usually just an expression of their own unpleasantness or their own negative emotions or their own misunderstanding. As a rule, that's what I've found. There was a gentleman who wrote to me once that he tried to tell his wife something. But anyhow, whatever it was he said, I just cringed. And I said, well, that's not a good idea. You, really want, you don't want to do that. But he was using the work as an excuse to be abusive to his wife. That was the point. And I have found that there are a lot of people who use the Bible to abuse other people. We call that Christianity. We call that the Crusades. We call that the Inquisitions. You know, there wasn't just the Spanish Inquisition. You know, there were lots and lots of Inquisitions. We call that pogroms, where the Jews were persecuted by the Christians. We call that all the things that we have in our world throughout history of people abusing other people in the name of God, in the name of of truth in the name of righteousness. And it simply is not that. It is not that. It is nothing except self-will run riot, negative emotions burning out of control, and the misery and suffering that comes from that. That's what it is. And yet we continue to justify it because we do not wish to face ourselves and see what our condition is, that we are violent men and women, that we are violent people. You do not wish to think of yourself that way, and so you do not think of yourself that way. When you do think of yourself that way, you think of how much you're working not to be that way, and you salve your already misshapen conscience, scarred and misshapen conscience, with that little lie. Even if it's not a little lie, it's enough for us to think, well, I'm not really a violent person, which is not true. We don't speak of it much ourselves because it's incendiary, and I'm already incendiary enough without adding that to the mix. Anyone who is going to do what I'm doing, I mean, this is idiotic. Anyone who is stupid enough to broadcast this, anyone who is stupid enough to put podcast on the Internet so that anybody, you have no control over who can listen to it, that is just stupid. That is not a very smart thing to do. This is why the work has been kept kind of underground for so long, because you cannot control who accesses it this way. I try to make the podcast kind of generic. They may seem heavy to some people, but I don't think they are at all. This is why when we talk in the group, we turn the recorder off. It's because there are some things that people are just not ready to hear. The general public just is not ready to hear. They don't want to hear it. But even if they did want to hear it, it just falls on the wrong places in them. Now, my thing about this is, well, okay, you have two parables that deal with this. A sower went out to sow, and he scattered the seed. Some seed fell here, there, and la, 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 la. But you also have another parable, and that is, do not cast your pearls before swine, or else they will trample them underfoot, turn and rend you. Do not cast holy things to the dogs. 
In other words, a sower went out to sow, and he just scattered the seed. But don't cast your pearls before swine. So what does this mean? It means that I need to have the discernment to know the difference between seed and pearls. I don't have to know the difference between swine and dogs and people. I don't have to know that. I need to know the difference between seed and pearls. I can scatter the seed, but I can't scatter the pearls. You see? So what I have learned, or what I am learning, because I, I won't say that I've learned it, because it's, I think it's an open-ended thing. I think as you grow and as your level of being expands, there are things that are pearls that you didn't know were pearls. I mean, how many things have you taken for granted and you didn't know they were pearls? And then your level of consciousness expanded and went, oh, my God, I've had this all along and I didn't even know it. It was a pearl. Or you may have even had the pearl of great price, but you didn't know its value. So it meant nothing to you. So you just cast it aside or you put it on the back burner or you lost it somewhere. I try to leave it open-ended. I try to remember that I am not perfect. I am not enlightened. I am a human being and I'm, or I'm, I'm trying to become a human being. I'm not even really a human being. I'm just on the road to being a human being. I'm still part machine, part beast. And I am struggling against that on a daily basis with what the work has given me to work with. The tools that the work has given me and the tools that I've been able to learn how to use and apply to my own life have helped me to see that I'm not what I thought I was. I am not fully conscious. I'm not properly conscious. Now, it's only the other people who I know who are properly conscious or fully conscious. And they are generally the ones who are listening and judging. Because they're fully conscious, they feel they have the right to be fully negative and call it something else. And we all know what that's like. We all know what it's like to call our negative emotions something else. We all know what it's like to call our love real love. We all know what it's like to call our whatever real whatever. And it just isn't that. It just simply is not. But it takes a long, long time to see that. We can see it very quickly and very easily about other people. But it takes a long time and great effort and much self-observation, proper self-observation, to see it in ourselves. The literal-minded people stumble at this part of the teaching. What this part of the teaching is really about is the ray of creation. And the ray of creation is what we call the outer cosmic thing. You know, there's the absolute, and then there's world three, and then there's world six, and then there's world 12, and then there's world 24, and then there's world 48, and then there's world 96. You know how it works. So people get that, and it's difficult for them. They look at it and they go, okay, well, I think I understand that. And then they do understand it to that degree. But what they don't always understand, what we don't always understand, is that the ray of creation is also internal. It is not an external thing only. You're not going to go to the sun physically. You're not going to go to the moon physically. But you can move toward the sun internally, and you can move toward the moon internally. And this is what people have a hard time with. So when they say food for the moon, they think, what is that? That's idiotic. The moon doesn't eat people. So they imagine that the moon is sucking energy from Earth. They imagine that because that may actually be happening, because all of the planets are interacting. Our planet is interacting with the sun and interacting with other planets. It's called orbits. It's called gravitational pull. All of these things, our planet is absorbing some of the energy of the sun. Our planet is reflecting some of that energy out into the atmosphere. So all of this is happening. All this interaction is going on. And so there's something going on between our planet and the moon. 
We just don't know really what it is. And the work says, well, the moon is getting energy from the Earth so that it can grow. And this is a difficult concept for most people because they don't see planets and suns as growing, being born and dying, even though the scientists will tell you, well, that's exactly what happens. This swirl of gases is the beginning of a star that's going to form. You won't be alive to see it, but we know from looking at it and from observing it all that this is what happens and that suns die, stars die, and then something else happens. And so we see all these things and we're beginning to understand all these things. And now it makes the work make sense in so many ways. You know, Gurdjieff said these things before people really knew this, which is interesting. Now, Gurdjieff didn't say them because he had observed them himself. Gurdjieff had teachers too. And this wisdom is ancient. I mean, when I say ancient, I mean, we have no idea how old. We have no idea how many millennia this has been around. We don't know. We know that we have records that go back 5,000 years or so. But we also know that there is a prehistory. And we know that there are existences and histories that we don't know anything about other than we know that some people are able to tap into something and connect with wisdom that we do not have access to. In other words, they've got library cards and we don't. So they can go to the library and see the history books and then they can tell us about it, but we don't have library cards. So we can't verify it just yet, but we can verify it in our own lives in scale. And this is what the work teaches us to do. One other thing I I think about this that we need to understand is that the ray of creation is not just outside of us, but it's also inside of us. Really, the reason for the outside is to point to the inside. What's going on outside is really beyond us, but what's going on inside is not beyond us. What's going on outside can point us and direct us to how to deal with what's going on inside. So we can learn from the outside what to do on the inside. That's what this work is about. So the sun and the moon are both outside of you and within you. It appears to take people a long time to get a grip on this clearly. Some people never do. What it means is you can rise to a higher level of being or you can sink to a lower level of being inside yourself. This is represented by the outer sun and the outer moon. When this work talks about you being food for the moon, we need to take this internally, not externally. Is it applicable externally? I don't care. Yes, it probably is, but I don't care. I'm interested in individuals, not in the whole of humanity. Why am I interested in individuals and not in the whole of humanity? Because the only way that anything can ever change is an individual has to change. You must develop. You are the only one who can develop yourself. You must self-develop. Therefore, the important thing is the individual. Is humanity not important? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about self-development. In the context of self-development, the individual is more important than humanity. In the context of humanity, the individual is not as important as humanity because the individual is included in humanity. So it's like that. The kind of effort you make or don't make determines the direction you move internally, either toward the sun or toward the moon. If you make effort, the journey to the sun is long, requiring supreme efforts and new growth of understanding with all of its unlimited new perceptions of truth. See, the thing about understanding is if you really have a definite expansion of understanding, if your understanding really does grow, if you generate the force of understanding inside yourself, you don't just get one little thing here and one little thing there. It's an infinite number of new perceptions about the truth. But understand that a perception is still a perception. It's not direct knowing. It's still a perception. So understanding still needs to grow more and more and more. And this is something that people don't understand. They get some new perceptions of the truth. They go, oh, now I really know. How many times has that happened to you? Well, now I really know myself because I've observed this. Well, now I really know myself because I've observed that. Well, yeah, you really know yourself about that, but you don't really know, know yourself about all the other stuff that's still in the dark about you and about that. 
We know the way to the moon by heart. The sun is difficult for us. We need a map. We need to be shown how to get there. We know how to get to the moon by heart. We can find it in the dark, and we can be the man in the moon in the blink of an eye. It requires no effort whatsoever. We've made the trip millions and millions of times. You'll make the trip so many times today that you won't even know it. You won't even know how many times you made the trip. You won't even know when you are the man in the moon. While you are being the man in the moon, there's a very good chance that you will not know it. Maybe later, when you awaken, when you started your journey back toward the sun. Maybe then, or toward the earth. Maybe then you'll become aware of it. But that's no guarantee. Our help comes from sun people, whose intelligence is divine to us in our low state. So what does that mean? What are sun people? Sun people are people who have made it to that level internally, that level of being internally, where they are no longer bound by 96 orders of laws or by 48 orders of laws, and they're no longer bound by 24 orders of laws. They have made it to 12 orders of laws. So they've been freed that much. They've been freed so much that their intelligence seems to us to be divine. We call those people the conscious circle of humanity. Those are the people who've been able to get out from under all these laws that we live under. Those are the people who have genuinely been freed. Though I would have said freed themselves, but they have not freed themselves. They have been freed. And I will tell you, know the truth and the truth will make you free. What makes you free? The truth. The truth makes you free. You don't make yourself free. It may seem like a fine line. It may, it may seem like I'm cutting this finely, and I am. But it's a point we need to constantly remember, even though for language purposes we say transformation, self-change, yada, yada, yada. What we really mean is we do have to make effort, and, and supreme effort. But there is a point when our supreme effort brings us to a point where we can receive force from beyond us, and that force is what really does the transforming. We prepare the vessel for transformation. But the real transformation is done from beyond us by something way higher than us that we do not understand. So, in a sense, the moon people are insane for us. So the sun people are divinely intelligent to us. We look at them as like, wow. And the moon people, for us, are insane. They're the lunatics, from Latin luna, moon, from the belief that changes of the moon caused intermittent insanity. You can see that changes of our moon, that is, the closer we get to the moon, the more we become insane, because the more laws we are under, and we don't have to live under those laws, and those laws are detrimental and counterproductive to us and to other people, so it's clearly insane to do damage to yourself and other people. Yet we do it all the time, and we call it sane. People admit that war is insane, but they don't stop doing it, do they? They admit that war is insane, but that's not the insane part. They're sanely waging war with the insane. That's their justification. We are sanely waging war with the insane. Well, there's, there's nothing sane about war at all. And just that in and of itself is proof of how insane we actually are. So the visible sun and moon represent such states in man, represent such states in man. The literal mind uses this as a diversion, but esotericism uses the mind's diversion to our advantage. The truth is there. It's right there. When we awaken, the truth is right there staring us in the face. It's not far off. The truth is right there. All you have to do is awaken, and it's there. The problem is that we have to awaken to ourselves. What we think awakening means is just saying, well, I'm awake. No, we have to awaken to ourselves. You have to awake to something. You have to have consciousness of something. You have to increase your consciousness of something. What you need to increase your consciousness of is yourself. 
That's what you need to increase your consciousness of. Because when you do that, that will give you the opportunity to clear away some of the debris so that you can see what is actually true, what is actually there. Seeing that we're not what we took ourselves to be is awakening to ourselves. Seeing that you are not who you thought you were, that is awakening to yourself. Can you see that if you find something out about yourself that you didn't know, let's say you have a disease and you didn't know that, you know, you've been going along just fine. And then one day you're in for a checkup to your doctor and he says, well, you have this. You say, well, I don't feel like I have that. Well, you do have it. Here it is. You say, well, but but, how did I get that? Well, I don't know how you got it, but here it is. It's like you've just found something out about yourself that you didn't know. In other words, your consciousness has been expanded. Now you have choices and actions that you didn't have before. You see that now you can say, oh, well, what can you do about that, doc? And he said, well, I can cut it out or I can do this or I can do that. Well, what do you suggest? Well, I suggest we do this and then that. You say, well, okay, let's do this and then that. And we'll see if that takes care of it. So we're like that. We become conscious of ourselves. So when you become conscious of something in yourself, you know something about yourself that you didn't know before. So you are bigger. You are bigger. Your awareness of yourself is bigger. So now you include more. You're not this tiny self that only you could see. Now you have more. The problem is for most of us is that the things we're finding out are diseases. Well, you've got this brain tumor. Oh, boy. Well, you've also got this tumor over here. Oh, wow. Well, you've also got, you know, Doc, I'm going to stop coming to you. All you do is dream up tumors for me. It's like, well, they're there. It's real. It's there. No, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to live my life like that. I'm not going to spend my whole life in the hospital or having surgeries or doing this or doing that. Well, that's fine. You're not going to have a long life. Well, I don't mind or whatever. Whatever we do about that. Maurice DeCole said, when you become violently negative and refuse to hear your conscience, you sink in the scale of being in yourself to the lunar level. You become, he didn't say this, I said this, you become the man in the moon. You actually become the man in the moon. The face that is in the moon is now your face. You are the negative being. You are the person. You are the one. You have fallen under 96 orders of laws, and you are now at the effect of all of those mechanical laws, and you are now being used by all of those 96 orders of laws to wreak havoc and chaos in the universe. In other words, your unpleasant manifestations now are beginning to affect other people. The lovely thing about teaching publicly is it gives every spectator in the stands an opportunity to be a sports commentator, a critic, and eventually a character assassin. Why? Because negative emotions always lead down to violence. So that's why I say anybody who puts these podcasts out, anybody who writes this stuff, you know, you already got to wonder about them. You already got to wonder, well, why would someone do that? And why would you do that? And I think probably the best way that I've heard it expressed is somebody told me the other day that I was a freak because I was forgiving someone who'd done a tremendous amount of damage to me, a tremendous amount of harm, poured out a lot of venom and negativity. And I simply forgave them. Like, I canceled it. I just canceled the debt. Why? Because that's what the work teaches us to do. And if you practice this work, you have to do that. If you wish to develop, you must learn how to cancel. So I canceled it. Why? For him? Well, sure, for him, but mostly for me. Well, why for me? Because I wish to develop. Well, why for him? Because I wish he would develop too. I don't want to tie him down because whatever I tie down, I tie myself to as well. And so if I tie him down, I tie myself to him and I can't develop. I end up keeping myself exactly where I'm keeping him. I don't wish to do that. I wish to develop. I would like to be able to drag some people along with me, but you can't really do that beyond a certain point. You can sit by a fire and get warm. 
You can sit by a block of ice and get cool, but you still have to generate heat and your body still has to air condition itself. That won't be enough. That can be a stopgap. That can be, you know, someone has a high fever, we can put them in a tub of ice, ice water, and we can artificially lower their fever, hopefully long enough to find out what's causing it so that we can do something about that and their body can then take over. But they can't live in that tub of ice, not forever. So that's the same way with sitting by someone who is giving off this radiation. You can get it, but it is not the same thing as generating it in yourself. You can learn how to generate it in yourself and then you can have it. But then there's always something more. There's always some other block of ice or some other fire to sit by. How we love to hate. This is something we need to see about ourselves. How we love to hate, how we love to condemn, how we love to give advice, pass judgment, how we love to gossip. We love, oh my gosh, how we love story. Listen to people, tell stories. They tell their own story. This is the story of what happened to me. This is the story of how my house was robbed. This is the story of how this person mistreated me. This is the story of how my father was not a good person. This is a story about how my mother didn't love me enough. This is my story about how my cat whizzed on my computer and I had to take it and have it killed because I was so mad that I had to have my cat killed over that. You know, it's like, that's the story. Do you see that that's violence? That if something does something to us or to something that we call us, my computer, we could, when you say my computer, you're saying me. You're saying I. You're saying this is an extension of me. When the cat urinates on this computer, this cat urinated on me and ruined me, and now this cat has to go. And the only way to solve this is the cat can't be fixed, so you have to eliminate the cat. The cat is no longer allowed to be on this planet because it, it offended me. This is really sick, people. This is really negative. This is really sick. This is really the man in the moon speaking. You also see that you can be the man in the moon. You see that character assassination is not just people. It's also the cat who whizzed on the computer. And also, after all this gossip and story, we love to feel superior. Our force goes into self-justification, storytelling, suspicion, blame, accusation, and recalcitrance. You know what recalcitrance is? Okay, recalcitrance is having an obstinately uncooperative attitude toward authority or discipline. You're recalcitrant. You have an obstinately uncooperative attitude toward authority or discipline. You do not like authority. You do not like the work telling you what you're like. You do not like to be disciplined. You do not like the work telling you, you must try to stop expressing negative emotions. There are times when you feel like that's the only thing you want to do is express the negative emotions and the work can go take a flying leap. And so can anybody else who even says that to you. And if they want a dose of negative emotions, let them say it to you again and you'll give them a good dose of negative emotions. You'll let them know what negative emotions are really like when they're expressed properly and rightly. I can see by the smiles on your faces that you are getting this. <laughs> That's how you get to be the man in the moon. All the time pointing the finger at some imaginary character you've projected outside yourself there to be attacked with self-righteous impunity. We justify our negative states. We're right to be negative. Anyone in their right mind would be negative if someone did that to them. Like somebody said to me recently, how can you love that person after what they did to you? I said, I don't know. How can you love your daughter or your wife? He said, well, that's easy. And I said, well, for me, in this state of consciousness, it's easy to love that person. He said, well, I wouldn't love them. I would do this. And he said something that he would do, and I thought it was really funny. But it was funny, but it was not funny. It was funny, but it was like, yeah, but someday you're going to have to love that person like you love your daughter and your wife. And someday you're going to have to love your daughter and your wife even more. And your love will have to be purified as your emotional center is purified. And then someday you will know what real love is. Until that day, we work toward it by purifying the emotional center. Why do you suppose Jesus remained silent during his mock trial on the moon? You didn't know the trial was on the moon? You thought it was in Jerusalem. No, it was on the moon. 
Caiaphas' house was on the moon. Pilate's house was on the moon. What does that mean? It means that those places were negative because they were under 96 orders of laws. Those persons were not interested in what the truth was. They were interested in proving their case. They were interested in condemning someone. They were interested in being negative. They had given themselves over to negativity. They were violent people who lived on the moon, which is a very violent place. Understand that we're not talking about the outside. We're talking about the outside that represents something that is inside of us, a state that is inside of us, a place that is inside of us that we can go to very easily, effortlessly, that we can go to where violence rules supreme, where insanity rules supreme, where insanity seems like the only sane thing there is. That's what we're talking about. Jesus' mock trial was on the moon. You cannot reason with a lunatic. Why he remained silent is because there was nothing to say. We are self-developing organisms. What did he finally have to say on, well, anyway, at that place? That was on the moon. All the people who were there, most of them were on the moon. There were a few people who were not on the moon, but were in that locale. Do you see that they were in this physical place, but they were not on the moon inside themselves? So you can be in a physical place, but you don't have to be on the moon in that physical place. So could you be on the sun and still be on the moon internally? Yes, you could, because the physical is not the same as the inner. So that's what we're talking about. And it's a good idea to see this. So finally, at that place, Golgotha or Golgotha or whatever it's called, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. You hear that, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But you don't hear the rest of that verse very often. The rest of it is, and they cast lots dividing up his garments among themselves. What does that mean, his garments? What were Jesus' garments? Well, they're the same thing as all of our garments. What are your garments? All of these acquired things, aren't they? And he is on the cross, and he has been stripped of his garments. He has been stripped of all of his outer things, all of the worldly outer things that he acquired in life. So what does that mean? That who is on that cross is essence, is essential, is real. That's what that means. And who divides up the garments, the acquired things, and then wears them? Who puts them on over their own garments and encumbers themselves more with more acquired beliefs, more negativity? Who does that? Well, the people who are on the moon who are doing the crucifying, the people who are on the moon who are pointing the finger, the people who are on the moon who are judging and gossiping and slandering, the people who are being negative and self-righteous. Those are the people. The scribes and the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, well, don't write that, that he's the king of the Jews. Write that he said he was. We don't accept him as king. They were still self-righteous. They still were persecuting and prosecuting their case. They still were spitting at the sun from the moon. This is what lunatics do. This is why it's a good idea not to be one. Of course, you have very little choice about that now. You spend a tremendous amount of time on the moon. You spend almost no time, as far as I can tell, on the sun internally. What this work is about is helping you to free yourself from the moon's gravitational pull from your penchant for visiting the moon. You've got a condo on the moon, okay? You've got, what is it? What is it you've got in Hawaii? What is that thing? Timeshare. Time You've got a timeshare on the moon. <laughs> you know, I look around, I go, oh my God, people have a timeshare on the moon. They're going to visit the moon. There they go. Just one little thing sets them off. And they're on their trip. They're on the, and then they're on the moon and they're vacationing there. What are they vacationing from? They're vacationing from sanity. They're vacationing from effort. They're vacationing from making effort to keep themselves in a better state of consciousness. To keep themselves up above the laws that they naturally sink down into when they don't make effort. The moon is really a vacation spot. This is where people 
go to not work. This is where people go to enjoy. It's like Las Vegas. What goes on here stays here. Sin City. The moon is like Las Vegas. It's where people go to have a good time, to just wallow in excess and insanity. Isn't it? That's what we're talking about here. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. So his false personality, the overcoats, his false personality, they were removed and the lunatics got to keep them and add them to their already overburdened false personality. And this is the thing. When you go to the moon, you're adding, you know, it's cold there. So you add overcoats while you're there. In order to stay warm, you've got to add overcoats. So you've got to put on more things and you encumber yourself more and you build your false personality even more. So what we're talking about is turning that around. Instead of the moon eating you, which it's doing, you begin to eat the moon. Your job is to eat that false part so that the real in you can begin to be nourished. Unless we first ascend in our own being, by our own efforts, we can't attract influences coming down from higher in the ray of creation. This is what is so nasty about this work. It's that no one can do it for you. You must first descend in your own being by your own efforts. That doesn't mean that you don't get a conscious shock. That doesn't mean that you don't get a boost. It means that you have to use that to prime your own pump to start making your own efforts in the right direction. The man in the moon always enjoys his negative emotions, his hatreds, his envies, his venom. If he works on himself, he will become a man of a higher class, able to receive different influences, influences that are new to him, that are absolutely new to him. And he will say things like, how can you love that person after all that they've done? You just say, well, it's easy. I don't understand that. Well, you will. You will understand that. As your being expands, you will understand that. That's how it works. The outer ray reminds us that we can be on a better level of being or a worse level of being internally. How difficult it is for the man in the moon to surrender his love of the negative emotions, self-emotions, pride, vanity, self-righteousness. It's very difficult to give it up. How difficult is it when you are negative and right? Let's say you found out something, Steve. You found out something and the story is true. It actually did happen. Now you have a right to be negative because the story is true. Now, what will you do? Will you remember that you have the right not to be negative or will you exercise your right to be negative and go to the moon? How many times do you exercise your right to be negative and go to the moon? Now that's if the story is true. If the story is not true, how many times do you exercise? The same thing. It doesn't matter true or not. It's to the moon, Alice. You're there. You're the man in the moon. If you wish to get off the moon, you must apply this work practically to yourself, not to someone else you think needs it. This is what people in the work have done, as far as I can tell. The more established they are in the work, the more inclined they seem to be to apply the work to someone else and not to themselves. Because they've already done the work. Because for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or 60 years, they've been doing the work. So they're already there. Well, how did they get stuck here? Well, they're just here helping us. You know, I don't think so. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think it's that way. Applying this to yourself is only possible through self-observation, through non-identifying, valuing the work more than your opinions, more than your story, more than your negative emotions, more than, God forbid, your own self-love, your own self-adoration, your own self-self-self-self-self. If you don't observe yourself, you can never change your level of being. You must separate yourself from yourself. There is no other way. Observing me is not self-observation. Oh, oh, but, but, but wait a second. Wait a second. When I observe you, I see things in myself that I need to change. Well, actually, I see things in myself that I already have changed. 
because I used to be like you, and that's how come I could see it in you now. I see. So it's that again, is it? Self-observation lets a ray of light into your inner darkness. Sharing your observations of me will enable me to work and let a ray of light into my inner darkness, and I will work. I have proved it by changing my level of being in front of you many, many times. Look, you've been here for years. You have seen this work work. You've seen it. You can say, well, he's changed. He doesn't do that anymore. He changed. He does this now. You can see that. I look at you and I say the same thing. Well, you're not as familiar with what you've done as you are with what I've done. But I am familiar with what you've done. And I can tell you. I had someone ask me something, how they could verify something. And I said, well, here's how you verify it. Make a list of all the things that you've been able to verify that the work has changed in you. And he said, well, I can't think of anything. And I said, well, good. Then ask your wife. And so he came up with a list of things. And he said, my wife helped me with this. I couldn't see this. But he said, well, I don't see that. She said, are you insane? <laughs> of course you're different. This is completely different than you were. And he's like, because we don't see it. And it's good that we don't see it because it goes right to false personality. So it's good that other people see it and we don't see it so much. But you still have to acknowledge it. Notice how you behave externally towards others and how you behave internally towards them. Notice the discrepancy that inside you're not smiling, but outside you are. Or the outside you're frowning, but inside you're smiling. Notice that. Just notice that about yourself. If you can be conscious of something, it can be changed. The light does it. The light is the power. Stop taking yourself as fully conscious. Marisa Nicole said, The so-called waking consciousness in which people hate, kill, and injure one another in every possible way. That's taking yourself as fully conscious. That so-called waking consciousness. Our aim is to get to the third state. Self-remembering. Self-awareness. You can only grow by truth about yourself not by the truth about someone else. Finding the truth and exposing somebody else for what they are will never, ever, ever develop you. All it will ever do is give them the opportunity to develop way beyond you because you will be stuck as the person shining the light on other people and helping them develop or giving them the opportunity to develop and never looking at the light yourself. Too many people this happens to. Too many teachers this happens to. Become more conscious of yourself. Stop thinking you observe yourself already. Stop thinking that you observe yourself already. This is the number one thing. Stop thinking that you observe yourself already. You need more consciousness of what you are like, not what others are like. When I'm attacked, I don't get negative and react. I see some illusions I have of myself and offer them to the light. Yes, it's difficult, but that is proper second line of work. If you're attacked, take it as an opportunity to work on yourself. Take it as an opportunity to put yourself in that person's position and see what they're seeing. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Just take the opportunity. That's what matters. And don't be the man in the moon. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.